As soon as someone discovers that I am a professional traveler, the next question is, what is your favorite place? It's a conundrum, really, because the more I see, the more difficult it is to choose. My list would need two or three dozen slots. What is the season? Who am I with? Or am I solo? Then again, with knowledge comes power, and I now am able to be more selective, more precise in exactly how and where I want to spend my time. I often think, why would I go there when I could go there? All of this to say that when I am asked this seemingly impossible question, the place that immediately comes to mind is Malta, one of three islands just south of Italy that make up the Republic of Malta. No matter how long between visits, the images of the main island live vividly in my mind. This is KK Robbins, and you are listening to Episode 5 of Travel Talk. Anyone could easily stay a week or more in Malta, but I usually fly in for about two days, using it as a stopover when coming or going to another destination that is already part of my plans, like Santorini, Greece, where I go to recharge each and every year. They have nonstop flights to many European cities, making this an easy add-on for you, too. Why Malta? At only one-tenth the size of the USA's smallest state, or one-fifth the size of Greater London. What makes it so mighty? Upon first glance, you are awestruck by the golden hue of all of the buildings. All of them are practically one color. The limestone native to the islands is the material of choice, and it is as uniform as the white houses of Santorini or Mykonos, Greece. Perhaps it is the OCD in me, but I thrive on balance and symmetry, and the wash of color is emotionally moving. I once had a colleague quip with a disappointing sigh that Malta was just so beige. My lips may not have moved, but my eyes said it all. No, my dear, it is you who is so beige. Then there is the sheer scale of it all, as if every fortress, every structure is too large for its footprint, all stacked and connected like a Jenga puzzle. The island's history actually goes back 7,000 years, with temples older than Stonehenge and the pyramids of Egypt. Don't worry. We're not having a history lesson. But the Malta we see today is solely the after effect of the Knights of Malta. In the early 1500s, the Knights arrived on the island, then known as the Knights of St. John. They're a Catholic military order that was formed in the 11th century, whose primary objective was to look after the welfare of the wounded and ailing Christian crusaders. Pushed out of Jerusalem, they had made their home on the Greek island of Rhodes, only to eventually flee there as well after battles with the Ottomans. This is important because initially finding peace on Malta, the brutal battle with the Ottomans came to a ceremonious head right here where we stand. Arriving into the Grand Harbor, Valletta, the main capital and largest town on the island, lies high above us. But it was in this very harbor that the viciously bloody battle between the Knights of Malta and the Ottomans took place. Now, I'm warning you, this is about to get Game of Thrones graphic. One day, the Ottomans sent the headless bodies of captured knights on rafts across the harbor to signal what was coming for the remainder of the outnumbered knights. Now, remember, these were not just their comrades. These were their brethren. In return, 
the knights used the heads of captured Ottomans as cannonballs sent back across this very harbor. Against insurmountable odds, they won, stopping not only the progression of the Ottomans here in Malta, but towards Western Europe. Recognizing the potential impact, nations from all over were so grateful, they sent money, supplies, even architects, all to help build these glorious cities and villages. From the lower level at the harbor, we enter a massive arched opening through the city walls to find the Baraka Lift, a modern elevator that will take us up many stories. We step off inside Upper Baraka Gardens, stunning with the most striking views back over the harbor. It still gives me the chills, but not for the reason you'd think. You see, the very first time I was in that elevator, I remember thinking how my grandmother, who shared my love of travel, would so appreciate this magnificent place. That first time, when I stepped off that elevator, the entire gardens were filled with geraniums, her favorite flower. I knew she was here with me. Often thought to be a part of Italy, Malta is its own country, with not only influences from its nearby Italian neighbor, but also the British, due to the main island being a strategic base during World War II. So, although the official language is Maltese, English is a close second. Standing in the upper Baraka Gardens, we are currently on top of the former World War II command station, which you can currently tour. And looking out from the viewpoint of the Bastion, we see the line of cannons that fire every day in remembrance. The land which the city of Valletta sits on is a large peninsula itself, with the Grand Harbor on its right. From here, we look out across the Grand Harbor to see three distinct smaller peninsulas pointing directly back at us. They are known as the Three Cities, also known as the Three Fingers for how they jut out into the sea. You can take proper ferries from multiple points around the island and to the other two islands, Gozo and Camino. But on this side, you can also use water taxis in traditional narrow wooden boats, which resemble a gondola in appearance and its ability to sway wildly from side to side. I once took this mode of transport to a white party being held on a yacht across the harbor. Stepping off wobbly, it looked as if I had already been overserved. Never fear, I still drank my weight in champagne that was flowing on board. I digress. Here in the upper Baraka Gardens, high above the water and on even ground with the town, we pass through a back gate into the streets of Valletta. The first thing we hear is the clomp, clomp, clomp of horse-drawn vintage carriages waiting to take tourists up and down the roller coaster-like streets. There is plenty to occupy us here during the day, but I prefer it here at night, so we're going to head out of town. Only first we need some pastizzi, a traditional savory pastry that is filled with ricotta or curried peas and has a phyllo-like crunchy shell. I know, your instinct is to skip the peas, but just trust me on this one. On our right is the majestic St. John's Co-Cathedral, with a famous Caravaggio painting inside. While walking to find the painting, we're not just walking among the tombs of former knights, but actually on them as they make up the floor here in the cathedral. Throughout the town of Valletta, we see staircases made of smooth stone that are sometimes 20 meters wide. 
The entire perimeter has been sandblasted and refreshed, including what is known as the Valletta Ditch, a massive old moat that's been turned into a pristine park. Exiting the town through the land side of the peninsula, we cross through the city gate to catch a ride out into the countryside. We could grab a taxi, but here we take the bus. Standing in front of the Triton Fountain, we are in the middle of one of the most organized bus depots seen throughout Europe. Buses crisscross every point of the island with incredible regularity. When I first started coming to Malta, the buses were colorful and they were more like a party bus during spring break in Mexico. I was disappointed at first when they went to regular city buses, but now having the air conditioning and a smooth ride, I've come to appreciate them as well. Purchasing a day pass from the ticket window, we go to the bay for the bus to Imdina. It's going to come every 10 to 15 minutes, so we don't need to know the schedule. Once on the bus, we are on our way to one of the original capitals of the island, a town known as the Silent City. I like to go there for lunch and meditation. It will take us about 30 minutes to reach our destination. We leave the city and crowds and eventually working our way out into a wide open space. The bus drops us at the edge of the village, right at the city gate. Crossing the drawbridge into town, we look down and see another moat that has been completely transformed into a gorgeous park. Stepping into the silent village, we understand how it gets its name. It is so quiet you could hear a pin drop. Walking the handful of streets, we pass house after house that is covered with bougainvillea. We then pass restaurants with hidden courtyards that beckon us to stay a while. But we continue on because on the backside are restaurants that have terraces overlooking the low rolling hills. Which reminds me, who's ready to try Maltese wine? Now, if you're unfamiliar with the wines of Malta, it is for good reason. As one of the smallest wine-producing countries in the world, the wines are rarely exported very far. There are so many interesting emerging winemakers, you could actually dedicate your whole trip to touring wines. On a menu, I look for what I know and see one from a boutique winery, Marcus de Venus. I choose one of their cuvées. It's their take on Sauvignon Blanc with local Girgantina grapes. Normally, I have a tragic recollection of wine names, but just take a look at the profile pic on their Facebook page and you'll see why this one is seared into my memory. Speaking of beautiful specimens, Imdina is known for its hand-blown glass. You can find beauty in many forms and price points. However, I have a thing for these little Christmas ornaments. They can actually be used in decoration all year long, but they are square, and being hand-blown always seems slightly askew, reminding me of, well, me. Taking our time walking back. We reach the bus and head back to Valletta, only this time we take a detour towards Salima. It is the commercial hub of the island and lies across the other harbor from Valletta. I'm here for one reason, Zara. Yes, the clothing brand that is in practically every country. I happen to be what is known as the Zara Whisperer. What can I say? I have a way of finding the most exquisite and unique pieces they offer. This particular Zara is something like a clearinghouse or an outlet for all of the other Zaras. Yeah, even with only 48 hours on the island, it is a top priority. 
Besides, we'll have something fabulous to wear to dinner tonight. Value here in Malta goes way beyond Zara. From the restaurants to hotels, your euro just goes farther here. We catch the ferry just across from Zara back over to Valletta. Up and down and up again, we reach the center of town and our hotel, the Embassy Valletta, perfectly positioned between the charming yet vibrant Straight Street and the main thoroughfare of Republic Street. My room is dark, rich, sultry, but with brightness of the sun just beyond from the balcony that overlooks the back harbor from which we just came. I especially love how excited the staff is to share their new hidden gems, but we'll save those for a little later because first I have a date with an old friend, not a person, but a place, the Harbor Club. Our reservation is for 30 minutes before sunset. Just enough time to get in position at our table on the terrace overlooking the Grand Harbor. We'll need our drink in hand when the sun begins to fade and the light reflects off of the limestone buildings, eventually dropping down into the sea and turning into, as you know, my favorite, the blue hour. This time of day, the color of the limestone takes on a completely new color, a much deeper color. Combine that with the contrast of the wide open terrace amongst the unyielding fortress walls, and you get an idea of how Malta is all consumed. With all of the innovative culinary options across the island, I know that I should be trying something new, but not coming to the Harbor Club feels like I'd be cheating on my hairdresser. Without looking, we go with the chef's selection. It will be scrumptious and most likely include rabbit. The rabbit was brought here with the Phoenicians and I'm pretty sure has been on every menu since. Making our way back up from the harbor, we take a shortcut up the winding ramparts, stopping into the bridge bar, a jazz club with tables that take up every level of the staggered street steps. It is moments like these, warm air, Etta James drifting in between the narrow passageways, the unhurried pace of the Maltese. These moments keep Malta with me. One drink could easily turn into three, but we continue on. No agenda. The right place will draw us in, eventually pulling us back to the embassy, past our floor, up to the rooftop that overlooks the top of Old Town and the imposing lighted dome of the Madonna Basilica. It is then that we will know. Know that we have found our way home. Join me in just two days' time when we will continue through these Maltese islands, only this time on a private boat wandering in and out from the sea. Bomba! Yes! <laughs>